BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme and happy fucking Halloween. I don't know if you care about Halloween. I personally have a weird relationship to Halloween for the past three years. So yesterday, October 30th, was my three-year anniversary of being of getting sober and being sober. So for some weird reason... Three years ago on Halloween, I decided it was a good time to stop everything, to stop drinking, to stop smoking. I don't know. It just felt right. I don't know if that has anything to do with Halloween, but it's funny because people who are sober and remember like their sobriety date where they stopped everything, they sometimes will give that date like a sign, kind of give it a personality, right? So my sobriety is a Scorpio, which is so funny because Scorpios are really intense. Like they're they're all or nothing. They love you or they hate you. There is no in between. And ever since I got sober, I have been nothing. I have not been all, right? I have, you can choose all or nothing, do all the drugs, drink all the things or do nothing. And I have been full nothing, full stop. So it's just really funny that it's Halloween. Also last night, I went out and celebrated, I guess, my sobriety and Halloween. And Stephen and I dressed up as Courtney and Travis, which I know what you're thinking. Oh my God, so basic. Everyone's going to be that. But it was that or Squid Game. And like... You know, how many original costumes can you think of? I also feel like he's tall and skinny like Travis. So it was just like kind of perfect. Um, Anyway, was really into that. Moving along. um, But I do hope that you eat a lot of candy today because you deserve it. We had a show at Caroline's last week. It was so much fun. I somehow convinced my fiance to come up on stage and he was really funny. And now to answer your question, someone said, what was the best thing your fiance shared at the Caroline show? I would say he did share, he was very open and honest and vulnerable. And he was pretty funny, believe it or not, even though he hated being up there. He shared that, you know, I had asked him what was a red flag when dating me. And I had answered that too about him. And he said, just like the fact that his life would be like a little bit more public than he had, he had hoped or imagined, like he would be sitting up there talking to people at Caroline's, like he had never um, experienced that. So I thought that was really interesting. And I shared a little tidbit of a story about how my red flag about him was that one of his girlfriends, you know, when we were talking, when I was interested in him, she was like, just so you know, he, oh no, I had said to her, why have you guys never dated? And she was like, I don't know. We're just friends, whatever. And I was like, okay, but like, what's his deal? Like, what's like the bad thing about him? Like, give me the juice. And she was like, honestly, like nothing. He's great. She was like, but he doesn't really ever do second dates. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, he'll go on a first date and then like, just not ask them on a second or like never talk to them again. And so then I wanted to like bust his balls a little bit. So I then went up to him and I was like, I was just talking to Jamie. Um, Shout out Jamie, if you're listening. I was like, and she said that, and this is an example of how it's always good to make yourself look good and or to like fake confidence. I said, I was talking to Jamie and she said that you never get a second date. So I totally switched it on him and basically made him feel like I thought he never made it to a second date as opposed to like him. 
I don't know. It was just like my sick way of trying to take the power away from him. And I guess it worked. So, okay. Another question. Your take on no doubts at all. Oh, I haven't even told you guys yet. This episode today is amazing. Max is a stud and I don't just mean looks wise. He's doing a lot of really cool things in the health space. And I'm curious what you have to say about him. The only qualm I have about him is that he doesn't like Diet Coke. So we'll have to deal with that, I guess. Your take on no doubts at all. No doubts at all. I mean, listen, like fears for sure, but doubts that there is someone out there that you could be a better match with to me just means or doubts that this person is really the one for you to me feels like a huge, big no-no. Like I don't understand how so many women, especially are just like, oh yeah, doubts. Like they're part of life. Like, no, they're not. Like I had doubts and I got out of that relationship and I found someone I didn't have doubts for. I feel like it's like not as complicated as people say. So that that's my take on no doubts at all. Where are your favorite places to go out as a sober woman in New York City? Let me tell you, the best places to go out are places where there is good music. And I just decided um, I'm going to do my bachelorette in the city and trying to figure out where I want to go out and dance, knowing there will be guaranteed good music and not at Acme just because... I have to go outside my comfort zone for this night. So I'm really excited about potentially planning that. Navigating upcoming holiday seasons with significant other whose fam celebrates different holidays. Navigating holiday seasons with anyone who celebrates anything is hard to begin with. There's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of awkward political talk. And it's just like cringy for the most part. I think the best way to navigate it is to just like put yourself to service and like be helpful, whether it's around the house, conversational with people who might be feeling lonely around the holidays and their family and yours, and just trying to understand how to celebrate the holidays that they celebrate and how to celebrate the holidays that you celebrate and have them understand it as well. Also knowing that like you can split up and divide and conquer and decide what's important to you do you need your significant other at every moment of this holiday? Can you meet up later? You know, different things like that. But I think most importantly, knowing the boundaries of your significant other with their family around and like what triggers are for them and vice versa, just making sure there's open communication around this. Why do guys think you're obsessed with them when you initiate meeting up later? Guys think that you're obsessed with them when you initiate, period. That's why you don't initiate. How your opinions on dating and what leads to compatibility have changed since starting We Met at Acme, WMA. I think that I used to think that you had to be so... And we talked about this at Caroline's too. That you used to have to be so different from your partner. And that's the only way it could work because you didn't come from the same background and you're culturally different. So you spend your whole life trying to learn more about them and their life and their culture. That to me is not important anymore. What's important is understanding where the other person comes from, whether it's communicative wise or, you know, religion wise, cultural wise, all the ways, right? I think being similar in background is so wonderful. Like I feel like I have such an amazing relationship with my fiance's mom and I never had that in the past with any of my partner's moms because we were so different. And I never, that never hit me that it was because I'm choosing these people who are so, so different. And I think it's just, it's really nice to feel, to feel like family already instead of having to force like a square thing into a round hole. Plus one etiquette. Do you invite them if they're dating, living together, engaged, married? Do you invite everyone? Oh, I'm so triggered because I'm dealing with this right now and we're having a very small wedding and I'm having to invite significant others who I have either never met or that I don't give a fuck about. I'm sorry. Like over people that I really genuinely care about. And it sucks. Like I love the people, but sometimes their significant other is new. Sometimes there's someone I don't like. Sometimes I don't know them because they're Steven's friend's significant other. And I'm just like, the fact that this person is getting the fucking golden ticket over my actual friend 
is disturbing to me. And so I think the rule needs to be if you're living together or if like you've been together, they've been together over a year and like you've hung out with them a few times, like, you know, in your heart, if it's rude to not invite someone significant other. So just like, you know, keep that in mind. And if they're in the wedding party, like you need to invite their significant other, whether they're new or not, like you just need to do that because that's just like, they're giving their all to you. So you have to give something to them. Attachment styles in general, yours and your fiance's, yours and your ex's. Okay, we'll get into this real quick because we're going over time already. I would say my attachment style now is probably secure. Before it was for sure avoidant. My fiance's has always been secure. And my ex's was definitely like anxious. Like a lot of my ex's were anxious attachment or avoidant. But I would say anxious is like what I was mostly experiencing. And I think anxious and avoidant are really tough together. We have an episode on this. If you want to know more about attachment styles, it's with Amy Chan and it's episode 45. So look for that one. What made you confident that the dress you chose was the dress? To be honest, I didn't have a lot of time, but I also love it. And it serves like two purposes. I don't want to say too much about it, but like I'll say that it's kind of like two looks in one in a way. So I didn't feel like I was having FOMO. I also recently decided that I'm changing four times on my wedding night. So I don't know why I think I'm an Oscar host, but apparently I do think that because I'm changing four times. So, you know, you can laugh, but the reality is like there's hopefully only one night that I get to be this ridiculous and I'm going to have it be my wedding. So it is what it is. Last question. Did you go to your high school reunion? I did. And it was weird. The person who was hosting it had a baby. I was not engaged at this point. And I wasn't even close to knowing what was going on in my future, really. I had just kind of done started the podcast. Like it was all weird. But I'm really happy I went because you know, we had gone through a lot. And I actually, I so I went to two schools. I went to a school called Spence and a school called Hewitt. So I went to both of those reunions. So I got to see both sets of people. And I'm really happy I did. At Spence, you know, we had lost one of our classmates. So it was a very emotional reunion. And at Hewitt, we actually did two, which is so sad. So I think it was just, it was very emotional, but I was really happy to see everyone. And I have so much love for so many people that I went to school with. And it's just good to know that like we all have those feelings for each other still. And that's it. And I'm excited for you to hear Max. A lot of you don't know this about me, but I actually have been on birth control since I was 15, which is so crazy, crazy because I'm 31. I've been on birth control for 16 years. And so I made the decision, you know, to go off of it. So I'm going off of it in a week and it's going to be a wild ride. But in addition to like wanting to just not have to take something like that and like pump hormones into my body, my birth control is so fucking expensive. Every single time. So I have Oscar insurance and it doesn't cover my birth control. So every single time I've been getting my birth control, it's been like $180, $180 a month to get my birth control. So I'm going to be saving so much money going off of it. But I'm just lucky that I could have afforded that, you know, and like, that's so ridiculous of a price. So we actually at We Met at Acme, we decided to partner with this brand that makes it so much easier for women to get birth control. And it's called the Pill Club. Basically, healthcare for women is unnecessarily complicated. Like it is just beyond between the prices and the insurance shit. It's just, it is a disaster. And like, if you need to renew your birth control prescription, you want to switch your birth control, maybe you're trying birth control for the first time, the Pill Club medical team actually has your back because life is stressful enough. They provide access to care from the comfort of your home and delivery to your door in discreet packaging, which is really, really amazing. Like, Basically, it's a birth control subscription prescribed by a medical professional and delivered straight to your door. With over 120 FDA-approved brands, 
most brands of birth control are free with insurance or Medicaid. Otherwise, your prices for this birth control starts as low as $7 per month without insurance. So like, you don't have to deal with any of the stuff that I was just telling you that I had to deal with. With $180 a month? Absolutely not. Because right now, when you go to thepillclub.com slash Acme, the Pill Club is offering a $10 donation to bedsider.org for every We Met at Acme listener who becomes a patient. Your donation will help low-income individuals get access to birth control through bedsider.org. This is such an important partnership for women. And if you go to thepillclub.com slash Acme, you can get your first birth control care package and donate to help more women who are in need of affordable birth control. Remember, thepillclub.com slash Acme. You must use the link to make a donation. So many women struggle with this and you can really help. And then you can get your pill for such a better price than I ever have. Another very triggering, stressful part of this whole wedding thing is choosing bridesmaids. I have so many wonderful women in my life and having to choose eight women has been the hardest thing I've ever done. But I did it somehow, some way. And I hope that I continue to maintain my friendships as a result. And I plan to ask these amazing women and one man to be my bridesmaids. And so I was like, what can I do for them that is special and unique and so me and hopefully something that they would love? And so I, of course, was like, Majuri is the only option. I'm going to get them the Zodiac rings from Majuri. And I'm so excited. I have a Cancer in there. I've got two Aries, two Taurus. I mean, I'm just so thrilled to be able to give them this amazing ring that I wear all the time. They also have amazing Zodiac uh, necklaces and Zodiac bracelets. So I think it's going to be the ring that I choose, but I might switch it up and do bracelets. If you haven't heard of Majuri, Majuri is the best place to buy jewelry. It's all really, really nice. And they've got 14 karat solid gold staples that don't wear out or scratch easily. Everything that I wear from Majuri, I can wear in the shower. Like it is unbelievable. Um, you never experience those like gross green fingers when you're wearing gross jewelry. Like Majuri is fine jewelry without the traditional markups. And so whether you're planning a wedding and want to get someone a gift or you're just feeling yourself that week and you want to get yourself something nice, Majuri is always an amazing option. And if you go to Majuri.com slash Acme, you'll get 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I.com slash Acme for 10% off your first order. Check it out and let me know what you come up with. Have you ever found weird things in a vagina? Have you found yourself needing multiple partners to fulfill your desires? Hey guys, I'm Dr. Jacqueline Walters, a board-certified OBGYN. It is so important that we know how and when to ask the right questions, whether you're in front of your doctor or just hanging out with your good girlfriends. Now, I wanted to create Dr. Jackie's point of view because sometimes you need to just hear the unfiltered good old Dr. Jackie. I will inspire, uplift, and educate women and men on the who, what, when, and where of things we balance daily. Make sure you subscribe to Dr. Jackie's Point of View and tune in every Thursday. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with New York Times bestselling author and fellow podcaster, Max Lugavere. Hey, Max. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. It is good. Thank you for coming. I actually just realized, so Max is wearing a sweatshirt that says Bel Campo Farms. I just realized that I went to a Bel Campo restaurant. Is that related to the farm? Totally related. Yeah. All Belcampo restaurants get their meat from their farm, which is amazing. Like the, you know, pristine, beautiful organic farm up in Northern California that I've had the pleasure to visit a few times. They're awesome. I love that. Yeah. I think it was like the best steak tartare I've ever had thus, yeah, I mean, thus far in life. If you're going to eat raw beef, you know, which is not something that you often get to do just due to the hazards associated with modern food production. If you are gonna, if you were gonna do that, I would say do it from do it with meat from Belcampo because it's like all super yeah. clean, you know. 
And we are now sponsored by Belcampo. We're not. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're not. Max, how old are you and where are you from? I'm 38. I'm from New York City. So born and raised in Murray Hill. Wow. Manhattan, I've never heard like... born in Murray Hill. That's yeah. amazing. Well, born technically born on the Upper East Side. I was born at, in New York Hospital, okay. which is like in the 70s. But yeah, I raised like 18 years in Murray Hill. That's amazing. I'm not sensing like a New York accent from you. <laughs> I had one when I was a little kid and then it, mm-hmm. it faded away over time. But uh, thankfully, people from Manhattan don't really have New York accents. It's like the they outer don't. boroughs. It's more, it's, yeah, it's more of like a Long Island thing. Long um, Island, yeah. And Max, what is your current relationship status? I'm single, yeah. Okay. And we're going to we're gonna unpack that soon. <laughs> and then I have to ask because we're very much um, into astrology on the podcast. When is your birthday? May 29th. So you're a Gemini. Yeah. Well, that explains the answer to the last question. <laughs> Why do girls always say that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually love Geminis. As an air sign myself, I find that I really understand Geminis, but they definitely get a bad rap when it comes to astrology. I think it's because Geminis can get easily bored. So like mm. they are more likely to stray or like some people say that there's two sides to a Gemini. Um And that they're like, you know, gossipy and not to be trusted. But (laughs) I haven't had that experience really. So I don't know what it is. So you're in LA right now. I'm in LA, yeah. What is dating in LA like? What's the scene? Are you on any of the apps? Yeah, I've been on an app. I've had an account on an app called Raya, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah, um, we've gone down the Raya on this Raya. podcast a few times. I'm I'm not a fan. I just I literally just keep the account. I don't even know why I keep the account open. Probably because I was an early adopter and I get it for free and I just, you know, I just never deleted it. But I should deactivate it because I rarely use it and when I'm due, it's just constant disappointment. It's just a complete waste of time. I think that people are on that app because they think, which it's not, of course, but they think it's a a status thing and they just stay on it, whether or not they're in relationships, whether or not they're interested. I know that's the biggest problem. And by the way, we're both going to get kicked off Raya after this conversation, (laughs) but I, I was also on Raya pretty early on and I would get into relationships and I would stay on it. And sometimes I would change my thing to like looking for just friends, you know? And then in my now relationship, like we we lived together and I honestly wasn't like what I would use it for or at least tell exes that I would use it for was like, oh, I'm trying to look for new podcast guests. But like you shouldn't be looking for podcast guests on a dating app. Like it just isn't like the best opener. <laughs> so I I finally like deactivated and deleted it. But people ask me all the time. They're like, do you have a Ray of friend pass? And I'm like, you know, I live with my partner. Like, what, do you think I'm like still on this dating app? But it's funny because with Raya, people, I guess, just stay on it. Yeah, it's a pretty bad app. I also don't like that it shows me people from like that live in Europe, you know, like, I mean, right. Like, what's the point of that? I don't want to be in a long distance relationship. Like, yeah, totally. (laughs) And I feel like the whole thing is like, they want like creatives, but then it just ends up being people who like, you know, have a creative Instagram as opposed to like actually being in the creative industries. But I want to talk about your book a little bit. What is your book called? I know it is food and health related. And what was the reason that you decided to write it? So I wrote a book called Genius Foods, which came out in 2018. And it was really a book that was motivated by the fact that at a young age, my mom got sick. And at about the age of 58, was diagnosed with a rare and incurable neurodegenerative condition. And I... Came from a come from a very small family, Jewish. You know, to, I'm the oldest of three boys, very close to my mom, always have been. And uh, when she received that diagnosis, it was devastating to me and my entire family. But it was really the first time in my life that I remember the the night after receiving, you know, for the first time prescriptions for drugs to treat her symptoms. It was the first time in my life I'd ever had a panic attack. And as anybody listening who's ever had a sick loved one, you know, will recognize your priorities reorient real quickly when, you know, when you're dealing with somebody with an illness, let alone, you know, a potentially terminal illness. And so that kind of was like this, it was essentially like a line in the sand in my life where mm-hmm. I had the things that I was passionate about before. And then going forward, 
all I really could think about was trying to understand why this would have happened to my mom. What, if anything, could be done to help her? What could be done, you know, to prevent it from happening to myself? And that began, you know, to this point, it's a, it's about a decade long journey to really understand to the best of my ability, the science of healthy living and longevity and dementia prevention and, you know, cognitive optimization, whatever you want to call it. And I basically like kept my head low for a good couple of years while I began this research journey. And I worked with a medical doctor on genius foods and it came out and it was just, uh, it's a nutritional care manual for the human brain. So anybody who's interested in, you know, reducing their risk for cognitive decline, for dementia, for Alzheimer's disease, for Parkinson's disease, anybody who is not happy with the way that their brain currently works, you know, anybody struggling with mood disorders, things like that will get a lot out of that book. I wrote it not to launch a career, not to sell supplements or anything like that, really just to get the information out there to help others because of what I experienced with my mom. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, for people who might just want like a little preview, are there, are there genius foods that we should know about? Is there like, you know, the top five? Yeah. So I made it, I tried to make it really easy for people in between every chapter is a food that I highlight and the food, what I call genius foods are really the foods that are going to provide the greatest amount of the the greatest nutrient density, essentially, and nutrients that are particularly relevant to the brain, which is our most vulnerable organ. So five of, you know, the foods that I think are, you know, should be in the rotation for anybody looking to improve the way that their brain works, dark leafy greens, avocados, fatty fish. I'm also a huge fan of grass-fed beef. You know, we we started talking about Belcampo. I think it's sort of you know, there's little debate that red meat, and I'm not talking about eating it all the time, but it's one of the most nutrient dense foods that there is. And so, you know, I'm a big advocate for, especially for women, for the consumption of properly raised red meat. And then there's like 10 that I list in the book, but I guess the fifth would be eggs, you know, like uh, Mm -hmm. whole eggs. A lot of people are afraid of the cholesterol found in egg yolks, but I think it's important for people to realize that When an embryo is developing, the first structure to assemble is the nervous system, which includes the brain. So an egg yolk literally has everything that nature has deemed important to grow a healthy brain. Right. And so they're great. So you live in LA, which is, you know, a place where most people don't eat any of those things or really like, you know, anything at all. When you're meeting people and they're going through these like crazy diets or they're like, you know, I'm vegan or I only eat salads or I do a whole 30 or whatever it is. Is that a deal breaker for you? Yeah, I really, so I, my relationships, you know, I've experienced, I've dated girls that have incredibly healthy relationships with food and I've dated girls that have really unhealthy relationships with food. And I don't make any attempt to intervene you know, in, Mm -hmm. in their relationships with food. I just know whether or not that's going to work for me. But one of my longest term on and off again relationships, that ex had an incredibly healthy relationship with food. And it was only after the relationship ended that I realized how much I value that. Um, you know, being with somebody who doesn't restrict themselves, you know, but does have sort of a healthy relationship with, or does have like a healthy appreciation for healthful and nourishing foods and knows when to pump the brakes on foods that are, that don't quite serve, you know, a person as well. I probably couldn't be with somebody who like ate fast food regularly or drank like soda, you know, things like that. And that's just soda point blank. Well, like, yeah, like real soda. Like I just, no, yeah. You okay? What would you prefer? Someone who drinks soda or someone who drinks alcohol? I'm not. Day? I'm not saying there's any. I'm not judging people who do that. I'm just saying. No, it's I know, probably but I'm not, just curious. Yeah. What do I think about, about? Like, like, would you prefer someone who drinks soda to someone who drinks alcohol every night? Well, I just find it so interesting. Yeah, when people like, like think that soda's worse than alcohol. <laughs> well, you know, alcohol. I don't think that alcohol in moderation, if I think that you can have a healthy relationship with alcohol, you can also certainly have a healthy relationship with soda. Like, let's be real. You can have a, you know, if you're having like one soda a month and that's like the greatest thing in the world to you, then have that soda or something like that. One soda a day. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, sugar sweetened beverages are just really, yeah. Cause I think it says something like, 
The evidence is like irrefutable at this point that sugar sweetened beverages are not good for you. They're all high, you know, predominantly high fructose corn syrup. There's no nutritional values. There's a ton of empty calories. You know, they play a role in driving what's called inflammation. I just feel like somebody who really respects their body is not going to regularly consume that. On the other hand, alcohol, I, I think that you can drink it in moderation and it's fun and it's a social lubricant. And Got it. You know, and there is research that moderate alcohol consumption is good for you. It's observational research, but there is no mm. observational research. There's no research of any kind that says that sugar sweetened beverages are good for you. Oh, so. Max, this is where we're going to have a, an argument here. So I drink soda every day. I'm every a day. Diet Coke. I'm a Diet Coke addict. Okay, well, that's a little bit different. I, you know, I was talking it about like, well, I was talking about like full on Coke. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I will say like a lot of my idols, including Warren Buffett, love soda. Yeah. And like, I'm not saying that these people are, are my idols because of health, but it's like, I also, so I also don't drink just for context, but that's not because it's unhealthy. That's because I'm unhealthy when it comes to drinking. But I will say I always, I, I don't like, I don't think soda is that bad. Like if you're not doing other things that are bad for you, I feel like it's like, it's not the end of the world. Like if you met the love of your life and they drank soda, like that would really be it. Like you'd leave them. Probably not. If I met the love of right. my life. Um, right. But you know, it's like, it's to me, it's a type of I think it's a type of self-destructive behavior. And, and I think that you can sort of incorporate things that are potentially self-destructive in a way that isn't self-destructive. You know, you could a couple times a month smoke a cigarette and not incur any kind of, you know, health consequences from that. I'm sure. The question is, is that sort of optimal? Why are you doing that? Why do you feel the need to do that? You know, I mean, when I was in college, I smoked a few cigarettes and they were incredibly enjoyable, but I know that they're not good for me, but I also know that I can probably smoke a few and get away with it. Does that mean that I'm going to do that? I don't think so because I have more respect for my body than that. That's and, I, fair. and I'm not saying that everybody needs to think like I do, but I think one of the key determinants of a successful relationship are aligned values. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> that's No, that's fair. What would you say like to someone who's like, okay, well then... If I wanted to drink less soda, how would I start? I sort of inhabit this like wellness world where, and I'm sure, you know, many of your listeners are exposed at least to some degree to that world. And I think that there is this pressure to be perfect, which doesn't exist. Perfection doesn't exist. There's this incredible Stephen Hawking quote that I just, I love without imperfection, neither you nor I would exist. You know, mm -hmm. like perfection is a myth. But there's nonetheless this pressure to be perfect in the wellness world, which I think is really can be quite harmful. And so when you look at things like diet soda, you know, I think diet sodas actually can be fine. I drink Zevia all the time, which no, I have no affiliation with that company, but it's a diet soda that's stevia mm -hmm. sweetened and it's a treat, you know, for me, I, I quite enjoy it. If you love to have a diet Coke, drink your diet Coke. I tend to follow what's called the precautionary principle. So there, you know, Diet Coke has made with synthetic sweeteners, which probably in small amounts, completely harmless. But, you know, I just, I personally choose to like err on the side of like the more natural sweeteners and things like that. That's fair. Yeah. So I dated somebody who, and like, I don't, I haven't really talked about this on the podcast, but he was really into health as well. He wasn't, he didn't have any like background on it. He was just super into it. And he... At one point, at the time when I was dating him, I used to have a bacon, egg and cheese for breakfast every morning. And I still do from time to time, but it's more like a once or twice a week thing. And he didn't like that. And so he first he bought me this book called Food Rules by Michael Pollan. I don't know if you've heard of it. And then he started when I would sleep at his place, he would make me a smoothie in the morning. But it wasn't in like that cute way where like, you know, they're making you breakfast. It was in the way that like, you better eat this smoothie, <laughs> which I found was so toxic. Like, and the smoothie didn't do it for me. Like I remember I, I would have some of the smoothie and then go home and order my bacon, egg and cheese. 
And I just felt like it was weird. Like you would never try to like control a partner. No, I was just going to say when it comes to that stuff. I was just going to say that sounds more like an expression of control as opposed to love. Right. You know, and uh, yeah, that sounds cr- creepy AF to me. Like I would never. It was creepy AF. Yeah. Um, but going back to kind of being single in your 30s, what you had mentioned like a past relationship. When was your last relationship? I dated somebody very briefly earlier in the pandemic um, for a couple months. Mm-hmm. And then before that, I was on and off with a girl who I had been sort of on and off with for a while. And then before that, I had a sort of a quick relationship last summer. So yeah, I think I've had a few like summertime flings, but nothing like serious and long term Mm -hmm. for a while. I've also been very busy, like very sort of in like the building phase of my career, I feel like for the past couple of years. Do you feel like you you know, working on your career and stuff and maybe not being, and tell me if I'm wrong here, like 100% where you want to be or, you know, feeling the opposite affects kind of how seriously you date at that time. Like I have this theory that a way that a man is emotionally available among other things is when he's kind of like happy where his life is at and his career is at, you know, most importantly, because that kind of is more like defining, I feel like, for men in our society, even though it shouldn't be, even though it should be, you know, equal, I feel like that plays a big part in it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we always talk and we should talk about the pressure that that women are under living in a city like Los Angeles, you know, the body pressure and, and perpetuated by social media and things like that. But there's a lot of pressure on men as well in cities like Los Angeles, Miami, where I've also lived and in New York. And so, yeah, I had certain financial like goals for myself, not over the top goals, but just to be financially secure and independent without the help from my family. And it took me a long time to get there. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, when I was in the building phase, when I was, was writing my book, Genius Foods, I didn't, I wasn't making a lot of money and I was totally happy with that. I just knew that it wasn't the right time for me to prioritize a relationship simply because I right. couldn't prioritize a relationship at that point. And now at this point, I feel like, you know, I've had some successes, like my books do well, my podcast, you know, is a business that runs itself. And so at this point, I feel like I feel more able to to dedicate time and energy to like meeting somebody. And so I've been kind of like focused on that. And also like, I think part of what it means to be successful has nothing to do with money or anything like that. It's really being able to show love to yourself. And I think like, you know, over the past couple of years, like I was very much like, you know, I sa- I had sacrificed a lot. I was, I moved back to New York for a while to be with my mom that made it impossible to date. And then about two and a half years ago, I moved back to Los Angeles and, you know, I was still sort of like coming out of the ashes of what happened there, which was, you know, just a completely traumatic experience for my family. My family ended up moving out to LA and there was a lot of sort of like reorientation as my family moved out to LA and trying to sort of get settled there. And now I'm at a point where like part of what I think it means to, to return the love to myself, the love that I've showed to my shown to my family for such a long time is like, is to open myself up to receive love from another person. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it definitely does. I have been getting this question so many times. A lot of people are just asking me like, what are you doing for your wedding diet? Like how many pounds do you want to lose? When are you starting? And I really don't like it. Like I really, really don't because I hate the word diet. And I hate that so many people will be unhealthy and live a certain lifestyle. And then just all of a sudden, like before their wedding stop eating basically and call it a diet. Like that'll never be me. It's just not something that I believe in. I really don't think so. Like if you really want to change how you look and like your lifestyle, then instead of like imposing these restrictions and limits and times like and fasts that you put yourself through, 
you can nourish your body and give it more about what's good for it, you know? And then you'll start to crave things that are actually good for it. Like I never understood the whole intuitive eating until until I started actually only eating when I was hungry and stopping when I was full. And a lot of that, a lot of that is owed to Sakara. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. So they've got organic, ready-to-eat meals made with powerful plant-based ingredients designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. Along with these meals, Sakara also offers wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. I personally love their detox tea. And you can experience the transformative power of plants with their best-selling metabolism metabolism super powder. It's made with organic raw cacao and it works to boost your energy, eliminate your bloating, minimize sugar sugar cravings and reduce fatigue. So you're all of a sudden going to be feeling so much better with so much energy and it's not because you did some stupid fast that, you know, was in in a minute in time. You can actually eat these Sakara meals all the time. And they're nourishing and they're filling. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off your first order when you go to sakara.com slash Acme and enter code Acme20 at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash Acme to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash Acme. I don't even think that I would be able to go through all of the things that I'm going through right now, whether it be, you know, deciding to be with someone for the rest of my life, wedding planning, a job, you know, being there for all my friends with their weddings. Like it's all happening at once. And if I want to show up for all these people in my life, if I want to show up for myself during this time, which is supposed to be such an important time, I have to take care of my mental health. Like there's just no, no screwing around here. And so I have made it a point to get in touch with my talk space therapist and have a regular once a week session. I had gotten a little lax about it and I was doing like once a month. I can't do that anymore. Um, It's so important for me to be consistent and also like Talkspace works around my schedule at my convenience, whether it be a live video session or unlimited messages with my therapist, which sometimes is really necessary because things happen in a moment and you forget it if you don't message it right then and there. I'm telling you, you guys will love Talkspace. It's all the benefits of therapy, but just so much easier. It's the number one online therapy platform for a reason. So if you're experiencing anxiety, maybe it's over the holidays, depression, seasonal depression is so real. You're dealing with relationship shit. Maybe you're just sick of being single or sick of your partner and you don't know what to do about it. If you need a little support to help you through the end of the year or you want to start building towards a better upcoming year, Talkspace is truly here to help you. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and you can get $100 off your first month with the promo code ACME. That's $100 off when you use code ACME at Talkspace.com. It's never too late to start taking control of your life and talking to someone. It is the most important tool that you could ever have, self-awareness. So check it out and you know, good luck getting through the holidays and you don't have to get through them alone. So with everything with your mom, is your mom still around? No. Is she still, she's not. Okay. Yeah. She passed away. She passed away just before I moved back to LA. So at the end of 2018. I'm sorry to hear that. That's okay. And like within that loss, you know, cause we're big fans of therapy here on the podcast. Did you look into therapy? Did you kind of, you know, do some like healing and from that trauma? No, I mean, not really. I've been pretty lucky in my life in that I've always intuitively turned to art and expression to, to deal with pain, you know, whatever, wherever that pain um, may have come from, come from. When I went through a a big breakup, like in my mid twenties, I, I'm actually also one of the things that I love to do that I'm, that I'm very passionate about is music. So I play guitar and I sing, I write songs Back in my mid twenties, when I went through that breakup, it was like, it was a pretty devastating breakup for me. It was like the first time I'd ever really kind of had that kind of, that degree of pain. I mean, I grew up, I had a pretty good, pretty cushy upbringing. 
And so I began writing like songs to like get that out, even though what I currently do is much different. You know, it's more scientific. It's, you know, more analytical. Mm -hmm. It comes kind of from the same place for me, like in dealing with what I dealt with in regards to my mom, I felt that the best way for me to deal with it in a meaningful way was to write about it and to start learning more and sharing and whatever. So I never, I never went to therapy or anything like that. You know, it's through sort of the, through creation and writing and sharing, you know, on social media, on my podcast, and also being surrounded by really wonderful people, like really great friends in LA mm-hmm. that I feel like I've been able to, to deal with it pretty effectively. Do you think that, and, you know, I'm sure there are listeners out there who are you know, hearing this and maybe they've gone through some sort of loss, but I know that yours was your mom and, you know, you date women. Do you think that there's any sort of effect that has on kind of the woman that you look for? I know a lot of men and like, you know, whether they'd like to admit it or not. And I'm very similar with like my dad, for example. It's not that I want to find my dad, but I want to find someone with qualities that are similar to him in some ways, right? Is there kind of that on a bigger scale because you don't have that figure in your life? Or do you think that like you're looking for someone who's like the opposite? No, I definitely, there are definitely values in my mom that I look for, you know, that I hope to find in a significant other. My mom was, she was actually really incredible. She, you know, she was an incredibly kind and honest person. Like she really, her values, like she just always valued kindness towards others, towards animals mm-hmm. as well. And also to, you know, she valued honesty. Like in my house growing up to be a, to be called a liar mm-hmm. was like the worst name that you could call somebody, yeah. you know? So that was just like, that was just, those were major. She also valued courage. Mm-hmm. She would always identify and praise, you know, me or my brothers, whenever we expressed bravery, whether it was like going to the dentist or taking a, a hard test. She ran like a business with my dad, but she was also really feminine and stylish, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. Earlier on when I was like a lot younger and more financially like insecure and just more insecure in general, I kind of felt like, you know, it would be that I would want to date like somebody who was like a really successful like woman, just like either in, in terms of title or, you know, reputation or whatever. But as I've gotten older, I realize I don't care about any of that. Like as long as she's kind and thoughtful and competent and able to handle a stressful situation, that's where you really, you know, like for me, like I learn a lot about people when I see how they handle stressful situations. Mm -hmm. You know, like if they just become an anxious mess, that's not like, Mm -hmm. that's not something that, that I feel like I can deal with, you know? Yeah. It's funny because I was going to ask you like, what's the number one quality you look for? And kindness is a really great answer. I feel like a lot of people would agree with you that as you get older, it's less about, you know, how smart someone is or how cool someone is and so much more about kindness. For me, warmth is a big thing, mm. just coming from such like a warm family and having dated people who are are not so warm in the past. But kindness is really interesting. And it's funny because so many guys will end up with teachers. And I'm always like, what's the teacher thing? Like, is there some like like porn that everyone likes with teachers, like what's up with the teacher thing? But it's really because like people who are able to be teachers have so much kindness. And so like it really makes sense in such a real way. Another thing that we kind of touch upon in the podcast a lot is attachment styles. Do you know your attachment style? I don't. I think that my attachment style is probably like an attachment style that a lot of guys tend to be. Is it avoidant? I don't know. Yeah, avoidant. Oh God. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I probably had so much cred with your listeners up until this point. And and now they're... (laughs) Well, at least you're being honest. Um, You know, I think that could have to do I not to like make this into a therapy session. I know I'm not your therapist and you don't see a therapist for a reason maybe, but I feel like that could be, you know, playing a part into like why you haven't really let someone into your life, but who knows, maybe after this podcast people will be sliding into your DMs getting you to open up and change your attachment style. Maybe. I uh, I also like so the girl that I dated earlier in the pandemic, yeah. uh, like in the quarantine, we were very good friends for a long time before we hooked up. And it was just like a random 
I guess not random, but it was like a, it was a very funny, like quarantine thing. We realized very mm-hmm. early on that it wasn't like meant to be like a long-term thing, but I did grow a lot. I feel like from that relationship, she was like a very evolved like woman, you know, probably the first time mm-hmm. that I feel like I dated somebody, you know, of her sort of emotional caliber. And, mm-hmm. uh, and she recommended a bunch of books to me that I read. One of them was the five love languages, which I think is like a really incredible book that everybody should read pretty much. But even after reading that and appreciating it, you know, to the degree that I did, I still don't fully know what my love languages are. So can I guess? Sure. I think as a Gemini, but I could be wrong. I don't know the rest of your chart. Your love language would be words of affirmation. Yeah, I do like words of affirmation. Yeah. I think for the Gemini's I know it is, they like to talk. And so it's nice to hear something out loud. I want to ask you one more thing and then I want to get into some rapid fire poll questions, which are really fun. We talk a lot about not necessarily playing games on the podcast, but I have like rules that I share with, with a lot of our listeners. I have rules for women dating men. I have rules for men dating women, men dating men and women dating women. And, um, a lot of them center around like how to play things in the beginning of a relationship. And I kind of wonder, you know, if you could give some clarity to our mostly female listeners about how much men kind of think about how they're playing things in the beginning of our relationship. And, and if it's something that is they're very conscious about, or at least that you are, or you're just kind of like going with it. So for example, with women, like I say, you know, don't sleep together on the first date, you know, let them contact you. Don't like be available the day of, you know, things like that. Is there anything that you kind of have, maybe it's just in the back of your mind when it comes to first dating when you actually like someone? Well, it always surprises me the degree to which men and women both play games. I have a lot of female friends and what's always funny to me is like, Amongst guys, like we will take screenshots of the conversation early on in the relationship and send it to our friends, you know, and be like, how do we, how do I respond to this? You know, or like, what's like the right move here? You know, it's very strategic and it's strategy by committee too, which is like incredibly funny, but women do the same exact thing. You know, I have like dinner, dinners at my house sometimes where I invite like a bunch of, you know, I'll invite like a few guy friends, a few girlfriends that we're all, and we're all very close. And inevitably at the dinner table, it always gets to a point where like, we're giving each other advice and the games are just like, yeah, it's all games. And I think that is, I mean, partly it has to do with the fact that like, it's easy to um, misinterpret what's said over text. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to come off as too needy, too eager, but at the same time, you know, we're all desperate to find connection. So, so like, I don't want to come off as eager to somebody who I potentially like, because I know that's an instant, like that's instant birth control. Right. But on the other hand, like I'm having to reconcile that with the fact that I am eager, like I do want to meet somebody, you know, and you could be that person, like that Mm -hmm. person who I'm like forced to curb my enthusiasm with might be the one for me. Like after 38 years, you know, I've, you know, the, the potential that I found the person it's like, being thirsty, you know, parched, like crawling, like through a desert and finally like reaching a a drink of water. Like that's kind of, that's how it almost feels. But at the same time, like, you know, like if you have any degree of emotional intelligence, you know, that you can't say any of those things, you know, you have to like shroud it in mystery and you have to play it cool. So that's why I think we play these games and I don't really see any way out because we're always having to reconcile our desires with the fact that the moment we communicate anything, the moment like words leave our brain and escape through our lips or via our thumbs, you know, on our smartphones, there's always going to be something lost in translation. And, um, yeah. And so, yeah, so it's difficult. I'm feeling very validated because (laughs) I feel like so many guys will come on the podcast and be like, no, don't play games. You don't have to play games. But the truth is that you do to a certain extent until you at least, you know, get to that point where you can be more authentically you. So let's get into some poll questions. Does a guy find it a turn off or a turn on if you tell him that another guy asked you on a date? Yes or no? No. Like someone you're seeing? Someone I'm seeing. No, it's not a turn off. As long as like, I know that I know where her allegiance lies. 
Right. But, but what if you can just tell that she's asking or t- sorry, telling you because she wants like something out of you um, instead of just like being direct? Yeah. If she's just trying to get like a rise out of me, I feel like I, that would be pretty, that would be transparent. And, you know, I feel like I would be able to, I would get kind of irked by it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What date number should you start greeting each other with a kiss on the lips? Date three to four or five to six? Oh, man. Five to six. Five to six. Okay. <laughs> I like these questions. Um, is it weird? Okay, some of them are a bit sexual. Is it weird if your significant other masturbates every morning? Like gets out of the bed you're in with them and does it before they shower in the bathroom? Is it? Yes or no? Wait, hold on. I like the sexual questions are cool. Is it weird if they masturbate every day? They get out of bed and they, yeah, I would think that would be a little bit weird. Right. Cause it's like, why am I here? Yeah. Men who wear clothes with cartoons on them. Yes or no. <laughs> I have mixed feeling about mixed feelings about graphic tees. I know in general, mm. the consensus is like, they're not cool past a certain age, but if you find like a really good one, I don't know. It depends on what the cartoon is in my opinion. And you know, the disclaimer being, I don't know shit about fashion. You only wear Belcampo. I only wear Belcampo swag. <laughs> um, <laughs> so how frequent do you think you should be um, giving oral sex when you're in a relationship? One to two times a week or one to two times a month? One to two times a week. Yeah. That'd be nice, right? Is just an emoji as a response to a text a brush off? Yes or no? Uh, yeah. Also like the double tapping on a message and then using like the Apple emoji Mm -hmm. is not a valid response. You always got to send something as a follow-up. Yeah. Just, just, you you would not like texting me. Cause you're just like, you leave it on red and you just double tap and you put the heart or whatever. No, I don't have read receipts on that's Thank God. Right. But but I would like, I would just like a text cause like I have nothing else to say. Staying at a guy's house who lives alone and he has pads slash tampons. What the fuck or cool? Well, I had an experience recently where a girl stayed over and needed them. And I remembered that in my bathroom, I had some that an ex had left there. Yeah. Uh, And so I offered them. And I realized after the fact that yeah. it could be kind of weird, but also, I don't know. I thought maybe it shows a degree of like maturity. No, I think we should normalize them. Yeah. But I mean, I would have been less inclined to like be into it if he, it was an ex's that left there and more inclined if like he went out and got them to be thoughtful, you know? Just like kept a stash of... Uh, yeah, but then it's also like, I'm such a player that I need to have tampons because yeah. I'm getting... I'm so many girls are sleeping over. I'm not a um, girl, but I would think that it would look better to have of those two options to have them there. Right, an exes. You know, like an ex left them, yeah. Yeah. What month should you be concerned that your partner hasn't said I love you yet? Five to six months or seven plus? I think five to six. I think like th- three, two to three months is a really good window to know whether or not you want to be with this person longer than that. Like two to three months is like a fling. And if you want to go to four months, then you generally like you either end it at that point or yeah. you can go from two to three months to a year. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. I, I always say like three, three week, three month, three years. So like after three weeks, you check in, like, do I still like this person? Yeah. After three months, check in. Do I like them? And after three years, you're like, okay, um, am I spending the rest of my life with this person or wasting my time? Yeah. Max, can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice that has helped you throughout the years? It doesn't have to necessarily have to do with dating. Oh, man. Well, I love a quote from George Bernard Shaw. Life isn't about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. You know, I really, I've identified that over numerous phases of my life, both professionally as well as like personally, I think, um, you know, you can't wait for, you can't like wait for your evolution. You know, you have to usher it in. You have to like be proactive about it. And, and yeah, whether that means like going to see a therapist or reading a bunch of books, you got to sort of like at a certain point, grab life by the horns and, you know, and take what you want from it. I love it. Does that mean you'll be seeing a therapist after this episode? 
I don't know. I definitely want, I, it's weird that I haven't seen a therapist because I definitely want see the value in therapy and actually want to see a therapist. I just haven't like, to me, the process of like finding the right one seems a little bit intimidating. Yeah. Well, we actually have a great guide on our Instagram on highlights. So check out it's therapist and therapist too. And there are some therapists in LA. So let me know if you end up finding one. I will for sure. That's awesome. Max, where can everyone find you, follow you and read your book? So I'm on Instagram at Max Lugavere and spelled L-U-G-A-V-E-R-E. I also host my own podcast called The Genius Life and my book Genius Foods um, is available everywhere. So check that out. Awesome. So you think you're a genius? I don't think I'm a genius. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, a, just kidding. I'm a student. <laughs> I'm always a student. <laughs> Good. Thank you so much, Max. Thank you. <laughs> 